Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Well, welcome. Uh, my name is Pastor Scott. I'm the associate pastor here. And uh, our senior pastor, Pastor Chris Rollins, is here. Uh, he's actually, uh, we had a couple of people call out in our kids' ministry, and he's actually working in the three-year-old class right now. So... Uh, I tell you what, that's a pastor I want to serve with and, and be alongside with, right? Man, in there serving, and so we're thankful for him. And uh, so just, you know, Pastor Chris Jones got to come and do the announcements for us in this service, which was awesome as well. Uh, but I'm excited to be able to bring this, today's message to you to finish up our series, The Names of God. And, uh, you know, just getting a moment ago, getting to baptize one of our young adults. Uh, getting to, I got to walk with Vanessa over the last couple of years, just in her story and her faith journey. So very cool to get to do that. I did make a rookie mistake and wore long sleeves on the day I was doing baptism, but I uh, didn't think about that this morning when I left the house. Uh, but I'm excited to be up here, a little wet, but nonetheless, we are going to dive into God's Word. Uh, Exodus 15 is where we're going to be at. So if you got an app, you got the Bible, you got a, a scroll, whatever you brought with you, open up to Exodus 15. It is on your little sheet that is in your announcements uh, in your worship guide that you got with you this morning. Uh, but Exodus 15, where we're going to be at here in just a moment, Exodus 15 opens up on the heels of uh, what happened at the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, where Moses opened, you know, puts out his staff and the Red Sea parts. The Israelites make their way through it, get to the other side, and the Egyptian army follows. But then as they get to the other side, you know, they turn around and the water closes in on the Egyptians, wiping them out, and God has saved the Israelites in this part of their journey. So it's coming on the heels of that, where they are praising God for everything that God had just done in the the way that he's healed you know, through this process and, and worked with them and provided for them. And after seeing God's power in action, there was two things they did. They feared God, but they also trusted him. And they feared him and they trusted him. And so what they do in beginning in Exodus 15 is they sing a song of praise that goes on for several, several verses in Exodus 15. They sing a song of praise. They worship and praise his faithfulness. They worship and praise him because everything that he has done, his power, but also even maybe more importantly, who he is, his character. And the people in this story with the Israelites, as they walk through this, they've gone through this amazing event and moment where God has saved, God has provided, and they come out, and man, they're singing a song, and everything is awesome, and life is good. The end. Great story, right? But if you know anything about the Israelites, you know the story doesn't end there. That the Israelites were all about this up and down. It was like, obey God, and everything is great. Disobey God, and everything goes wrong. And it's just this continued mountains and valleys all the way through uh, their journey and throughout their life very much like you and me. When we obey God and we begin to see things turn out really well and it's moments of joy and happiness, but when we disobey God and we begin to see moments of trial and struggle and suffering and all these different things that we might face. So the story doesn't end there for the Israelites. Their praise is short-lived and it actually turns into protest, uh, which is where we're gonna pick up the story here in verse 22. So Exodus 15, verse 22. It says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Now, I'm going to stop there for just a moment. First of all, just in case you, you didn't see this, they came to Marah where they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter, so they named it Marah. Marah actually means bitter, and that's the reason they named it. But Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea from this triumph of God uh, to be able to go, and they come to this place where they have no water. They have not been able to find water for three days, but they get to this place where they finally found water, but the water isn't what they expected. The water is bitter. And so the people began to grumble against Moses and the Lord as well. 
What I think we can see here is that when life is good, it is easy to have a good attitude, isn't it? It's very easy to have a good attitude. It's very easy to praise God when everything's going well. But life isn't always like that. Life isn't always great. It's not, everything's not always going great in our life. But you've maybe even heard the statement or the phrasing of you're either in a storm or coming out of a storm or you're getting ready to go into a storm, right? Like that's kind of the three stages uh, of life that we face. And so we can see these Israelites who have left just an amazing triumph of the Lord in the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea, saving them. And then they come to this place, the wilderness of Shur. Now, the wilderness of Shur is not a wilderness like we might think here in Charleston, South Carolina. To us, a wilderness may be like, oh, you mean like the woods and like, you know, like where all the houses are now, like what used to be there before all the houses and the subdivisions, like the woods and things, trees and swamp and water. No, no, no. The wilderness where they are at is desert. It's sand. It's rock. That's pretty much it. It's very rare for them to come across any kind of water, actually. But they come, they come in this desert of shore, and they come across this, this time of seeing and experiencing water, and they call it this place Mara. Now, the wilderness of shore, shore actually means wall. It means wall in the original language. And so these Israelites, as they're making their way, before they get there, they probably felt like they hit an actual wall. Right, like they got to something, and no matter what they did, no matter how far they journeyed on, how great things were, they get to this point of hitting and running into a wall. Can you relate? Like you think, man, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything God's asked me to do. I'm obeying. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Everything's good. I'm treating people well. I'm compassionate. I'm loving. I'm serving. All these kinds of things. And then you hit a wall, and then you're like, okay, well, I'll back up, and I'll try to go a different direction. You hit another wall and another wall, and that's just kind of how life is. That we go and we do the things that we feel like we need to be doing, and we're doing things right, and then we run into a wall. These Israelites did it as well. We can relate to them. So is God still faithful when things don't go right? Yes, he is still faithful. Had God abandoned Israel in this time? No, he hadn't abandoned them one bit. But it took them only three days to actually turn their gratitude into griping. Where they were gratitude, had to get gratitude, were grateful and thankful for what God had done through the Red Sea to all of a sudden turn into griping because they didn't have water. They began to lose sight of God's faithfulness. Why? Well, it says in this passage that they were thirsty and they had a bitterness in their mouth from the water that they did taste. It's not very good when we have a bitterness in our mouth or even worse, a bitterness in our heart and a bitterness in our soul. You see, bitterness is a cancer to our souls and it contaminates our hearts and it blinds us to the grace and blessings of God. We need to not have so many moments of bitterness in our life, but to realize that God is working through these moments and through these times to be able to bless us. And so if we read on in verse 25, it says, and he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. There he tested them. So Moses cries out to the Lord. The Lord provides, turns the water from bitter to sweet. And then it says that he tested them. He made these statutes and rule, and he tested them. The Lord tests them, but the Lord tests us as well. Every time the Lord speaks to us through his word, he is giving us a test. And the outcome of that test ultimately depends on do we obey or do we disobey? Do we pass by obeying and trusting God or do we disobey and not listen to God or maybe even run away from God and we fail? But when we see God's word and it speaks to us and it convicts us and it molds us and maybe even encourages us to do something or live a certain way or to make certain decisions or actions in our life, that we have a moment of testing that's going on just like these Israelites were getting ready to experience. So what's the test? Verse 26. It says, saying, uh, God, this is God saying, if you will dig- diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, 
and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. For I'm the Lord, your healer. You see, he says, if you'll diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, listen to my voice and do what is right in his eyes, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, then he wouldn't bring on the diseases that the Egyptians were facing. Why? Because he's the Lord, our healer. What I see in this verse right here is that I see a personal responsibility that each of us has or plays when God heals. That God's offering healing, but he's also asking us to do something. He's asking us to listen. He's asking us to do right. He's asking us to give ear to the commandments and to keep the statutes, keep the, the, the things, the commands that have been given to us. But these last few words of this verse is the part that we're focusing in on today for the names of God. It says, I am the Lord, your healer. In the original language, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. This is it. This is the part we love. God is our healer. We love that part, right? God heals us. That's the part that we enjoy. That's the part that we want to stick to. But the problem is that we want this apart from having to carefully listen to the voice of God, which was just stated at the beginning of that same sentence. We don't want to listen to his voice. We don't want to have to do anything. We just want God to heal us. It's almost as if you were drowning and God throws you, or you're calling out, God save me, God save me. And he throws you a rope and you're like, man, get the rope out of the way. God save me, God save me, God save me. And then he throws you a life preserver and you're like, well, get, well, get this thing. God save me, save me, I'm drowning. And he's like, I'm trying, but you have to grab hold of it. There's a certain you know, responsibility, a certain role that we play that we need to do something as a part of God's healing in our life. We have a personal responsibility in our life, in our healing, to do, to listen, to keep. What we want is a quick fix to our failures, right? We want like this magical potion to our, our problems that we face and problems that we have in our life, or maybe even yet, we want a simple solution to the struggles that we have without having to sacrifice anything. But what I want you to know and to hear today is this. God wants us to listen, learn, and obey him because that's what brings healing and wholeness. That's what brings healing and wholeness, to listen, learn, and obey him, because that's what brings healing and wholeness. Exodus 15, 27. It says, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. Look, they've, they've had this journey where they, everything was great, then everything went bad, and then God kind of provides through that, and then they get to this point in Elam, where they come across 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees. Now, I realize we live in Charleston, South Carolina, and you're like, dude, that's like my backyard. Like, I got that. Like, I don't, you know, what do I need that? Why, why were they so, remember, they were in the desert. It's like a sandals popped up in the middle of the desert, right? And they're like, man, I'll take my water by the pool, you know? Like, like there was this moment of like, God has blessed us. God has provided for us in this moment. And so the Israelites are experiencing that right now. God, God had this, this triumph over water at the Red Sea, right? When he parted the, the water and, and the Israelites make their way through and then he closes the water and kills off the Egyptians and they get to go free. And then it gets to this moment where Moses leads them to this place called Marah and the water wasn't good, but God makes it good. And then it gets to this point in Elam where they get to this place of 12 springs of water and some shade with some palm trees. And like, man, it's like this little oasis. And it's like, this is the place that he's bringing them to. So we had a, a triumph. And then, you know, we work in, there was this trial. And then he comes back with another triumph where he brings in this, brings them to this place of water and shade. You see, Moses led them to a test of water that wasn't good enough. He led them to Marah. Moses wasn't, wasn't God, right? Moses was one of, of, you know, of God's people leading. He, he was a chosen leader by God. But he led him to this place that wasn't good. It wasn't good enough. And then God brought them to a place of abundant water, brought them to a place of great. 
What I see when I read these verses right here is that we need to quit settling for good enough. And we need to start focusing and pursuing after the great that awaits us, that God has planned for us. You see, they might have settled at one moment right after the Red Sea and been like, oh, we're good, God saved us, let's just hang out here. But they continue to press on and they get to a place that it's not, it's not great because it has water, but it's bitter. But then the water gets, gets you know, healed. It, the water is fixed and it's provided for them. But then they continued on again and they come to a place full of water, full of shade, and God works in that. You see, God had something great planned for them when they could have stopped at any moment in the journey, but they continued on as the Lord led and as the Lord provided. We have to stop settling for good enough and see what God has planned for us. In our lives, in this day and age, we have so many things that are pulling at our attention, so many things that we are trying to put our purpose in and our desire in and our heart and our energy in. We have all these things that we're thinking, well, if I just do this, uh, you know, if I just kind of skate by and, and, and do it just a little bit, that, that'll be good enough and that'll work, right? Like, this is kind of how I went through school, just good enough. And so, like, I would get C's, I'm like, that's good. But we would always have this idea of just being good enough. If I can just do, just do this, it's, it's enough. But God has something great planned for you. The more closer that you, closely that you connect with him and that you spend in his word and you spend time in prayer and in worship and in serving, like you are going to experience God like you've never experienced him before because don't settle for the good, pursue after the great. Maybe it's just to stop being lazy in our workplace. Maybe it's to stop being lazy as a husband in the way that I love my spouse. Maybe it's to stop being lazy as a parent with my kids and to be, do something intentional with them. Maybe as a single adult, it's to stop having just one-night stands and sleeping around. Maybe it's as someone that is here that is struggling with other things, like addictions, to stop going to the next bottle or the next pill, to stop pursuing after the things that are sinful and we know that are pulling us away from God, things that we think this will be good enough, but God has something great. We need to run past the things that are good enough and seek after the things that are great. God has so much more planned for our lives than we could ever dream up, so we need to stop settling. On your notes, it says this, God is not working to secure your comfort, but to develop your character and make you more like Jesus. You see, adversity is one of the most significant tools in God's toolbox to conform us into the likeness of his son, because he went through adversity too. He went through suffering as well. God is our healer, not because he makes everything right. He's our healer because he makes us right. Not so much about our circumstances, our relationships, because a lot of times the choices we make and the things that we do and the actions that we give are not good and they lead us into poor circumstances, poor relationships, poor situations. The next thing on your notes there, God's primary concern is not necessarily to change our circumstances, but to ultimately heal our lives, to heal our lives. You see, God's more concerned about our eternity than our temporary. We have a short time here on this earth. God's thinking about us long-term for our eternity. So he heals lives in three different ways that we can see in Scripture. The very first one is this. He heals us physically. He heals us physically. This may be the most obvious one that we're thinking about today. As you come in today, if you knowing that we're talking about healing, physical healing, maybe because you may be struggling with a, a virus, an illness, a disease, a, a physical ailment, whatever it may be, and you're thinking, man, God, you know, but I want you to know he heals physically. Matthew 4 says this, and he went through all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Did you catch that? Healing every disease and every affliction. There was nothing too hard for our God, and there still is nothing too hard for him. He heals. 20% of the four gospels is actually, of the writing of the gospels, is actually specifically talking about and discussing physical healings of Jesus. 
To me, that says that's important. It means that's significant. There's some importance to that. These healing miracles verify that Jesus was God in the flesh. They verify that. There's like this, this stamp, there's this authentication that happens because of that. And so when Jesus was actually asked, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? Are you, are you Christ? Are you the Messiah? He responds in this way, Matthew 11. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Wow. Look at the miracles that Jesus did these general categories that are listed right here. He's saying, these things right here, these verify who I am. These show that I have the power of God in me. Jesus connected the miracles of healing to God's stamp of approval on him as the Messiah. And does, I think the, maybe the question that we might all have as we're reading through this and even talking about this, this subject is does God still heal us people like this? And the answer is yes. Yes, he does. He still heals physically. All healing that we, that we see and that we experience comes from God, every bit of it. He steps in to miraculously heal us, and there's a couple different things that he does to use us to do that. He miraculously heals us through prayer. He miraculously heals us through people. He also does that through precepts, wisdom, knowledge, things in the mind. You, you think about this, that we need to pray to, for God to physically heal us, to tell him what we want, what we need in our life. To actually talk to God and to not just like, hey, I threw up a prayer the other day. God still hasn't healed, whatever. Like, maybe you need to continuously do it. Continually connect and communicate and to talk with him. To not just be a one-time thing, but to actually show you have faith and you're gonna continue just to talking about it with him. You know, our bodies are created to fight off disease. Well, who created our bodies? The Lord, right? The Lord created our bodies to fight off disease. And what I also want to make sure, make sure we're clear on this is that God also formed the minds of scientists and doctors to treat, medicate, vaccinate, do surgery, perform you know, healing uh, you know, physically on us, to do those things for us. There is, you know, God is behind every complex truth and discovery of knowledge that is ever going on. So when healing happens, it's through God and through his work. It's through our prayer and our communication and our discussion and talking with him but another way he heals us is this. Number two, he heals us emotionally. He heals us emotionally. Emotions uh, you know, are something that can get broken really quick. We get connected to things or someone and things like emotions happen. There's also stress, anxiety, depression, all of these kinds of things. Then when it comes to our mind and even a part of, you know, connected to our heart, that we could use healing. We could use healing in those areas. Uh, you know, thinking about healing and people that needed healing, one of the things that came to my mind uh, was, with the, was the incredible movie from 1991, The Beauty and the Beast. You know the movie, Beauty and the Beast, right? Beauty and the Beast, one of my favorite movies. I was 10 years old when that movie came out. Uh, Belle was my first crush, just being honest. She was like that girl next door kind of thing. It was cool. Uh, then like a year later, Jasmine came with Latin and it kind of changed the whole game because she was like really smoking hot and it like really just messed it all up, right? But the point is, Beauty and the Beast, you think about Beauty and the Beast, right? The Beast had this emotional thing that happened that caused him to then have a physical change. He, was, he made poor decisions. He didn't treat people well. And so he gets this like spell cast on him where he then has this physical change. See, our emotions are definitely connected to our physical life and our physical well-being, 100%. And so he makes this, does, lives poorly, makes poor decisions, treats people terribly, and he gets this spell cast on him, and then he has this physical issue. And then, the, then Belle shows up. And she shows up on the scene, and she begins to treat the beast not like a beast but like a person. She begins to love on him. 
show him compassion, show him, you know, be nice, see, and she begins to recognize that he is really a person underneath, and the fact that he has anger, he has sadness, he laughs, he has all these kinds of things. And because of their connection, and because of the fact that she just loved on that individual, there was an emotional change in him that needed to happen so he could ultimately be healed and restored. Now, similarly, but not connected one bit, just to make clear, God puts people in our life to help us heal emotionally as well. He puts friends, puts doctors, pastors, he puts neighbors, puts family into our life to help us heal and to walk through times of suffering and struggle. You see, emotional brokenness can affect every area of our life, can affect us physically as well. Psalm 147, verse 3. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. So not only does he heal your heart, but he binds up the wounds, meaning he restores you through that. Your severe emotional suffering can be crushing, but God heals, God provides. And if we were all, to be honest, brokenness uh, oftentimes occurs because we are morons, right? We make terrible decisions day in and day out. And then we're like, well, how did I get here? How did this happen? Well, if you start looking back at the path of things, you're like, oh, I made that bad decision. I made this bad decision. I shouldn't have done that. You start going, you're like, oh, like if you were to really, to be honest with yourself. The problem is we don't want to be honest with ourselves and really admit that we are part of the problem. It's like, I got 99 problems, but I ain't one, right? Like, that's what we think. Like, it's it's everybody else that's why I got problems. It's God. It's my job. It's my family. It's my friends. It's it's whatever, my football team. I don't know, whatever it is, it's these other things that make me have this emotional struggle and brokenness in my life. And the, the thing is, is, we shoot ourselves in the foot so often. When we shoot ourselves in the foot, we need healing from our own bad choices, our poor actions, our self-control and self-discipline, and we need healing from that. When you are emotionally broken, here's what I want you to know more than anything right now. God is close. He is near. He is walking through it with you. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. He's near to those that are brokenhearted and he saves those that are crushed in spirit. He will never leave you, but what you need to do is to trust him, to connect with him through prayer, through his word, through worship, which leads to the third one. He heals us spiritually, spiritually. Now, this is the most important one. It may not feel like it at certain times of the day or certain days in our life, but this is the most important one. Our diagnosis of sin is bad and our prognosis of lostness is terminal. What this means is our sin brings with it eternal death and separation from God. We have to be healed. The sin that we have in our life, it separates us from God. And there needs to be healing, restoration, reconciliation that happens as a part of this. Our heart is so stained and so sick and so diseased with sin that we can't control it. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You see, the the heart is so deceitful that none of us can understand, none of us can control it, and God knows your heart. And as it says in Hebrews, nothing is hidden from his sight, everything is uncovered, and everything is laid bare before his eyes. He knows everything that you're going through. He knows everything that you're walking through in your heart, your soul, and your mind. And he provides and offers healing. Our thoughts and our actions will bring on so much brokenness. You see, humanity and our world are broken because of sin, and we need healing in our life. A lot of times we think our good intentions can overrun that and take care of that. If I just do enough good things, enough good deeds, if I'm just nice enough to enough people, I can outwork sin or sinful nature even more specifically. And not just our own sinful nature, but the sinful nature of those that are around us as well. 
Because a lot of times we have good ideas or good deeds that we're doing for, to help, and somebody else doesn't, and there's a sinful nature, and then it gets rejected, it gets turned against us. We've all been there and experienced that. Uh, thinking about this made me think of this story uh, about, a, in 2005, a South African man uh, who came upon a baby hippo where the mom hippo had, had died, and it was a baby hippo who was left basically abandoned, couldn't eat, couldn't, you know, uh, you know, fend for themselves, and so he adopts this baby hippo into his home. He begins to feed this baby hippo day in and day out, takes care of it, provides for it seven days a week, just going on and on and on for six years. You know what happened at the end of those six years? That baby hippo turned into a big hippo, and it dragged that man into the water and chewed him up like a piece of steak. Now, I tell you that because we have a lot of good intentions in our life, but a lot of good intentions we have can ultimately lead us to a bad and dark place as well. Because if they're not intentions to glorify God, everything gets shifted. Everything can change. We may have the best intention to help a friend, but all the, the whole time the friend is actually pulling us further and further away from God. We may have the best intention to, to seek and to serve and to share with someone, but all the time that we're getting pulled in another direction that we're you know, maybe being attacked from something else that we're not even noticing and that it's pulling us away further and further from God, but we try to outdo that sinful nature with good. But what we need to realize is that our heart has to be healed by God. It has to be healed spiritually because we play with fire too much. Our thoughts, social media, social life, all of these things can lead us down a dark path. But we desperately need healing from our broken world. You see, he sees your open wounds and he sees past your scars from a life of spiritual lostness before him and he offers healing to you. He sees past your Sunday best and into the depths of your soul. He offers this hope and healing, but he offers it only through his son, Jesus Christ. If you look in Isaiah 53, five, we can see how this is offered. It says, but he was pierced for our rebellion crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. What we can see and understand right here is this. God had a plan in place before his son Jesus was even born into this world to heal you and to rescue you from sin, sinful nature, physical, emotional, spiritual healing. So there's three principles I want to give you to close for God's healing power. Sometimes God uses suffering to heal our soul. And Exodus 15, the Israelites, right, they come into this desert. This was no accident. God knew where they were at. God knew what they were getting ready to walk into and what they were going through. God will move us from times of triumph to times of testing in our life, and he uses our suffering to get our attention and to heal our souls. We're gonna get tested. We're gonna get tried, just like these Israelites. Romans 5, three to five says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Think about that process. Suffering to endurance, to character, to hope. Have you ever suffered and come out better or stronger on the other side? We all have, right? We've all have gone through this and experienced this, and I think there's a lot of people in our world that have the inability to handle pain and loss because they honestly never learned to suffer well, to suffer well. And I, I think about this as, as a parent with the two little daughters that parents, we can't constantly rescue our kids. Sometimes we gotta let them suffer. Now we can comfort them, yes. Love them, absolutely. But let them suffer for a little while because if you constantly snatch them out of the fire, they will get mowed down because life is hard. It's difficult. So we can't always solve it. You're not always gonna be there to like, like land that helicopter right in the end of the situation, okay? They need to learn how to suffer and to be able to, to heal and to recover on their own. Suffering isn't an obstacle to being used by God. It is an opportunity to be used like never before. It's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. 
Which leads to the second thing. Sometimes healing takes place in unusual ways. Unusual ways. Could be time, just a length of time, a season to be able to provide, to, to feel and experience healing. Could be relationships. Relationships that need to be, have forgiveness or restoration in them. It could be location. Look, I woke up this morning, it was like 28 degrees here, okay? And I'm from north and like it's dark and gray like five months out of the year. It is way colder than that. And it's like I live here where it's sunny most of the time. Like location helps you heal, okay? Let me be honest, like location will help. It'll help. But also communication, just being talking with someone, just having somebody to share with and to talk with. Maybe for those of you, maybe it's, at times it's you just listening, not always trying to fix and solve the problem, but to just listen and let somebody talk, let somebody vent, and then just, yeah, let's pray, right? Like to have communication and open dialogue. I think what we can see in Scripture and what it leads me to today and right now, that there are two different views when it comes to healing. There are those that think when it comes to healing that if you have enough faith, God will heal you. That's where I stand. And there are those who think God doesn't heal people any longer. But I think God does. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've walked through times with people of praying over uh, an, an issue, an injury, a disease, and watched God heal. We have to be faithful to continue and consistently pray and to talk to him about it. Don't be afraid to have faith and pray for healing in God's will. You might think, well, God doesn't care about me. God's not worried about me and my issue. No, he is. But he wants you to be worried about it to the point of being able to talk to him, to tell him what you need, and to consistently do that. God takes broken pieces and he makes beautiful things. How does he do that? He takes the broken pieces of our life and he puts them together to make an amazing, beautiful picture. Much like the stained glass window that we're using in, the, in this graphic for this series. When you put these pieces on the ground and they're all separate, it looks just broken. But God takes broken pieces like those and he puts them together to paint this beautiful, amazing work of art in your life. Because he loves you. And each of those broken pieces plays a part in the story. Which leads me to the final one, and that's this, number three. The cross of Christ is our ultimate source of healing. It's our ultimate source. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And his, by his wounds, you have been healed. Every one of us has sin in our life. And that sin has to be paid for. There is a debt that is required of, of death being paid. The question is, are you paying that death on your own, or are you trusting in the death of Christ on the cross? Surrendering your life to him. You see, sin came into this world on a tree in the Garden of Eden, and it is reconciled on a tree at Calvary. God provided the way out. He provided the ultimate healing for us. We will never experience full healing until the effects of sin have been eradicated from our life and we stand in glory. And that only comes when we surrender our life to Jesus and to trust in him as Lord and Savior of our life. So maybe for you today, your spiritual healing comes from surrendering your life to Jesus. But maybe your emotional and your physical healing comes from that as well. That you haven't fully trusted in him as your savior, so you're definitely not fully trusting in him as your healer for emotions, for physical pain. Some things in this life are healed now, but all Christ's followers will have everything healed then when we stand before God and he invites us into his kingdom. Jesus' substitutionary death brings us peace and healing. Sin tries to destroy us, but God can heal us if we would just surrender. My hope is that's you today is that you would just surrender your heart, surrender your soul, but also surrender your, your physical things that you may be going through, the emotional things that you may be going through, and to turn it over to the Lord and to continuously and consistently talk to him and request, God, heal me, because he is listening. He's walking near and he's walking close. Let's pray. 
Father God, I wanna thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I wanna thank you for your son, Jesus. And uh, Father, as we get to just be able to have dive, get to dive into this passage of scripture today out of Exodus, Father, to see how you provided for the Israelites, but the same way that you provide for us. Father, the Israelites were, were thirsty because they were going through, had this bitterness. And Father, you provided. Father, you provided water physically to them, but you also provided water to all of us for eternity. This living water, your word, your son Jesus, who died on the cross for us. Father, my hope is that there are people here today that have never surrendered their life to Jesus, that today they would do that. That they would realize and understand that they just need to, to step out in faith and say, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. They don't need to understand everything about you. They just need to know that you are the Lord who's offering spiritual and eternal healing for their soul. Father, it doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter the baggage that they have with them. It doesn't matter the sin that's in their life. Father, you want every single one of us to be in your kingdom and in your presence. Father, for those that are listening in this room or online, Lord, I pray for healing for them. Those that may be going through physical pain and issues and things right now and viruses and disease and cancer and so much just different things in the lives of people. God, I pray for healing that you would heal them, and Father, I'm just gonna pray boldly that you would heal them beginning today. But also, Father, for those that are going through emotional pain, stress, anxiety, depression, all sorts of things connected with our heart and with our mind, that, Father, you would heal them as well. Continue to put people in their life to provide them somebody to talk to. Continue to put people in their life to just provide comfort and peace. Father, you are the Lord, our healer. You are Jehovah Rapha. Father, you have so many amazing character traits that we can rely on as we've learned through this series. But God, the thing for me personally, the thing that is the overarching theme of all of these names that we've looked at is your power, who you are, what you are capable of. And God, we, you are not beyond, anything that we have is not beyond what you have the ability to do and to take care of. Father, that is my hope for today, is that we would surrender our soul, surrender our body to you. It's your son's name that we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.